0: Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast, starring your host, the incomparable Jill Shortridge and me, uh-huh. his sister. Yeah. Hello, everybody. How are you?
1: Jen, how are you doing?
0: I'm okay. It's I'm, been,
1: what, a week since I've seen you?
0: I know, really. The time flies so fast. Yes. For sure. Um Getting ready for Christmas, everybody, I'm sure everybody is out buying their um, ghost equipment and their um, paranormal goodies for their loved ones. Hopefully you are all out getting new K2s and REM pods (laughs) for Christmas and your stockings are full of EMF meters and laser grids. (laughs) But no, but today, I apologize for my voice. I have a bit of a, a head cold, but... Um, it is, you know, 50 degrees one day, yeah, 20 degrees the next, 60 degrees today, <laughs> so our weather's going up and down, so I think it's a It's affecting. supposed to be the months. I know, it's supposed to be cold, 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 yeah. which we don't like. <laughs> um, but anyways, we have a very, very yes. special returning guest today, and we're really honored to have Heather L. Arnold back with us today. She is a researcher and the author of the book, The Island of the Giants. Heather, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. It's such a pleasure to
2: be speaking with you again. I know. It's been too Uh, long. Way too long. Yes.
0: It's so
1: great
2: to to hear of you guys. And thank you again for inviting me back
0: on. Yeah. You know, that was one of our highest rated shows that we had was when we had you on before. The topic was so, so interesting. I think people, you know, don't think about it very often, but Mm -mm. giant skeletons are out there, people. They're everywhere. Everywhere. oh that's great to hear start taking no so what's been um what's new in your world just like to catch up for a little bit and, and
1: we want to yes. know everything what?
0: everything us everything everything <laughs>
1: where did you drive today where did you <laughs> <Yeah>. oh
2: <laughs> well i had a busy day um well yeah so i'm still researching the giants great. um i have um now i'm starting to also research the megaliths Associated with the giants mm-hmm. found in the Caribbean, um, in on the islands of Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao specifically. Um, because I, I'm focusing on those three islands because, firstly, they were called the islands of the giants mm-hmm. in the um, for, in 1499, the letters, to, um, of the New World by Amerigo Vespucci. It was actually Aruba and Bonaire and Curacao that were called the Islands of the Giants. Later on, Bonaire was discovered, um, and on all three islands there are giant skeletons, and there were giant skeletons on Earth. Um, there are also megaliths, um, mostly on Aruba and Bonaire, not so much Curaçao. Sadly, um, Curaçao has a much more um, a, a climate that is conducive to growing, so they were really utilized fully by the Europeans when they arrived. Mm -hmm. And Aruba is a true desert island. And Bonaire is kind of in the same space, but also um, had a lot of salt. Salt is their big thing. They're one of the largest producers in the world of salt that you use to salt like your sidewalks and stuff, which is kind of interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so those two places, Aruba and Bonaire, because there were not a need to make plantations, move earth, um, those two islands have preserved a lot of their archaeological history. Aruba has preserved the most. So I went to Aruba, uh, I got back in July, I was there one month, and I'm hoping to go there again in April. Mm What was so wonderful and what continues to be so amazing is the outpouring of the local populations in telling me about things they're seeing on their property, things they've seen during hikes, um, relatives who know about giants and who have had giants in their family. um, have found artifacts and they are sharing these with me and it's been uh, a, a great joy and a tremendous honor to be trusted and um, encouraged by the local population. So I hope this great rapport we have continues, and I'm sure it does. I'm very respectful of them and so appreciative of them showing and sharing what they know and also their family histories. So when I go back to Aruba, I'm going to have a couple more megaliths to check out, as well as I got, was contacted by someone who has giant tools Oh. that he has found which is interesting and i know it's true because number one there is a giant tool one that is on display at the archaeology museum in aruba however there are many more in the basement and i know that because i uh again another local on the island he contacted me during uh on facebook uh, during the height of the pandemic <laughs> he was um uh hiking about the caves, and he found this giant stone. And, um, I don't know what you would have used it for, perhaps maybe at the tip of a spear. Mm-hmm. I know that Pucci, when he wrote about the tools that he saw the giants come walk uh, into the uh, area where he was, the, the tools he saw were so large, and he didn't know what they were. He had never seen tools like that, and weaponry like that. So this could have been part of that. It was uh, very large. It was made of um, of a limestone and, um, he, and he showed it to me and actually, actually we went back after he found it when I was on the island and he showed me exactly where he found it in the cave and you could still see the indentation of where it had been, where hmm. he took it out. So I told him. You should bring it to the archaeology museum. I mean, that's the right thing to do, the right thing to say. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, uh, so sad. Um, The archaeologist there, he took the stone, put it in a little shoebox, made a notation of when it was received, and was slid onto a shelf within the basement. And it will not be put on display. Oh, no. That's just kind of the way it's always going with these four giants they're never getting in there. No. <laughs> they're getting in the limelight yeah you know, they're always pushed aside and uh, buried or denied um, and so I'm very interested to see when I return these giant tools I cause at this point I have seen two in Aruba mm-hmm. and I knew I knew there were more but you know Aruba is very sandy. So, and windy, Mm -hmm. so the sand is always shifting or sand dunes. So you really need to know where to look and also have a little bit of luck that Mm -hmm. everything has cleared just enough that you can find these tools. Hmm. So that's one exciting update that just occurred about a week ago, actually. So I'm pretty excited to return, um, for
0: that. Now, what kind of tool is this? Is this like a weapon or is it something the Giants would use in their daily lives?
2: Well, you know, it's hard to tell. The one that's in the museum, it's believed was used for cracking open shells, perhaps Mm -hmm. even um, tortoise shells. It's very large. It almost looks like it has a handle. Okay. And it's rather heavy. It's the largest stone tool that, up until the one my, um, my friend found it, the local who lives in Aruba, it was the largest tool. This, the one he found actually is larger than that tool. Um, so in the one he found, he thinks it could have been tied at the tip of a piece of wood and used as a weapon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, that could very well be. It didn't have any sharp edges. It was rounded, but very heavy, okay. and it was. Um, I actually show it in my my presentations I do, and it was also elongated. It was like a, an oval type shape. Hmm. So it could have been something that was tied to a stick and used. That's what I'm thinking as a, as a as a weapon.
0: Oh, okay. uh, I
2: can't imagine anything else it could have been used for maybe it was for uh, it wasn't a grinding stone for sure there were no even areas where there was grinding going on Mm -hmm. and the grinding stone that kind of error came after the Giants when the average statured humans came over from mainland Venezuela and settled the area so it is kind of curious um i and once i see the the new tools that were discovered i'm going to re go reread uh vespucci's work
0: mm-hmm.
2: and determine uh you know how because he describes everything quite clearly i mean what he he was cr- the first documentarian really of the giants and he describes what they look like what the, how their their uh speech sounded what how they lived And also, in pretty much detail, the weapons and tools that he saw. So I'll see if there's something that that I can compare them to. Mm -hmm.
0: And is there was there any description of like, um, native animals that maybe that they were hunting or maybe use those tools to protect themselves against?
2: So that's a great question. Um, Animal wise, really, there are no large game mm. in Aruba, okay. and I, I believe at one time there was the Caribbean seal, which is now extinct. That could have been one thing that they that they were eating. Mm-hmm. They uh, they definitely ate a lot of fish, shellfish especially. They did eat yeah. the tortoise. Um, as a matter of fact, they used the tortoise shell in a lot of their burials they would cover the burials with the tortoise shells particularly if they were of an elite um, burials uh, elite stature in the community then they would get an elite burial Um, and so other than that maybe there's really nothing there are indigenous snakes there are indigenous lizards Mm -hmm. there were no uh, monkeys indigenous however in one of the burial graves of uh, elite status female and her young teenage daughter there was a monkey a capuchin monkey
0: oh. wow. buried, uh,
2: buried with them in the cave and given an elite burial with the two females so in other words what the elite burial means is after the the bodies had become skeletons they would take the skulls and cover the skulls in a red oak and so this okra was locally sourced manganese that actually turned more red from the humidity of the island. Uh-huh. And so this um, this monkey got the same treatment, and the monkey also got grave gifts. So it's interesting because I, from that, when I first heard that, and this is something that's not really known to the public i'm friends with the head of archaeology at the museum and he shared this with me i actually was with him in aruba the night he got confirmation from the university of leiden that the dna tests of that little skull were indeed simeon which was so exciting and probably oh. a capuchin monkey and since then i've done a lot of research on the role that monkeys played particularly with females <laughs> because if this was just simply a pet and maybe it was um it's kind of interesting to give it, you would kind of just put the pet with the two females. I don't know if you would give the pet an elite burial, but what's interesting is there is a stone and massive stone in Aruba, a boulder that is carved into the face of a monkey. Oh. And uh, in ancient India and in ancient Egypt, particularly with in ancient India, the Devadasis, for example, they were the temple women of the temple. Um, and uh, the women in Egypt, because they had to be chased mm-hmm. and they couldn't have interaction with men, they had to be in a cloistered group because they were considered part goddess, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. would have monkeys trained. And you can see this. I've been in um, Kudrahu, India, and you see the reliefs on the side of the temples of these monkeys standing there holding pallets of makeup. And the women are dipping brushes in the makeup and painting their faces, painting their feet. So they would train the monkeys to essentially be their helpers Uh uh, in day-to-day life. And that could be... What these monkeys were doing and why these women were uh, were buried with this monkey and the monkey was then given an elite burial mm. because the monkey was clearly considered almost like um, a familiar to yeah. these women, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and then the young girl. So um, there was another prote- grave where potentially they found another monkey remains, and um, that one is still being analyzed to determine whether or not it's actually simian, which okay. is really exciting because. What that would mean is that the giants were actually trading with people mm. and interacting, because Vespucci talks about how the giants were very to themselves, which is why they would be using weapons. Vespucci, when he was being when he was um, invading, try, attempting to actually steal some of the giant teenage girls who he interacted with when they arrived at the island. And the men arrived, 36 of them, with their weapons. uh, The the explorers quickly did the moonwalk back to their (laughs) boat. And they were right behind them were the giants. And the giants had these massive weapons and were coming after them. And that's kind of what Vespucci heard, is that if you leave the giants alone, they're fine. They won't attack. But if you come after them, they will attack and they will surely win. As a matter of fact, the giants were so bold that even in the midst of cannon fire coming from Vespucci's ship, the giants still poured from the beaches into the water, into the ocean, and were trying to attack the ship. And Vespucci mentions on that day he felt that he could have died. And that's the one instance and he had met cannibals and headhunters and all these different groups of people in his explorations and this was the one time he felt that his life was um threatened so that could be another reason to have the the weapons Mm -hmm. but um for hunting purposes i aside from the Caribbean seal that would have most likely been around at that time. Uh, it has since been hunted to extinction. Mm. That would be mm-hmm. the only other reason why I would think they would need it for any type of game animal.
0: It's interesting that they, you know, this obviously must have happened many times for them to have to defend themselves. So, you know,
1: What's
0: that? I mean, having, what? you know, to create tools or be on the defensive. So, you know, I'm sure Vespucci wasn't the first one coming around Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like, well, we got these tools and we'll defend ourselves. So, you know, if, was the island on a trade route? Have you looked at any of the ancient maps to see if, you know, that was a, a familiar stop for traders?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. One part I forgot to mention. The reason why those islands all are connected is because they also were one island
0: Uh at one point.
2: That's another part of the story I meant to say before my apologies. So there were mega tsunami events that separated the three islands so the three islands were at one time one whole island and it was never attached to the mainland it was always separate um just came up through a series of volcanic explosions mm-hmm. earthquakes uplift these islands emerged from the sea um i'm not sure about the trade routes because mm-hmm. i don't really as there was there is to this day gold um in aruba and uh in Curacao and Bonaire, but mostly in Aruba. Now, whether or not the giants use this gold, I, I'm not sure because there are not any remains yet as yet have found or that I've heard of made of gold. Mm-hmm. They do have obsidian, um, some obsidian pieces. They do have some shells, but, but there could have been trade because they, the fact that these Carpuchin monkeys are being found in Aruba, they, they had mm-hmm. to have gotten there somewhere. They're not native. They're are, they're not there now. Uh, there's never been a record of them. So it could be very possible that there was trade going on. Now I know for a fact that that land, that territory, as um, communicated to Vespucci by the mainland uh, native population, that that th- those islands were attacked several times for the land itself. Mm. It also, the islands were called, used to be called at one point later on, the islands of Brazil wood.
0: Oh, because the, they have the trees, a yeah. tree
2: on it, a Brazil wood tree, that uh, you can use the seeds for dye. It creates like a purple dye. The uh, tree, the, the bark in the, the wood itself is malleable. So you can make a canoe, you can make instruments. So that might have been a draw to the people of uh, the mainland to come and um, be under attack, and also just curiosity, probably. You know, Aruba and Bonaire and Curacao are only 16 miles from the South American coastline. Mm -hmm. You can actually see each other from there. You can't see, you know, people obviously. land masses um, from either side. And so uh, that it could have been something intriguing. And so clearly they did have to um, really wrestle with people to maintain their territory. Sure. And eventually they must have had trading or um, I can't imagine, or something must have happened that they got these Carpuchin monkeys yeah. for sure. sure.
1: You know, I was thinking too, with the islands being hit with the tsunamis and that, a lot of the megaliths and stuff is probably under the sea that you haven't seen yet.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Joe, you're absolutely correct. So, um, I was watching, it's so great. You said this, I was watching a, there are the lionfish is an invasive species Mm -hmm. in Aruba. Um, it's destroying everything. It's eating away the coral reefs. It's, it's just really creating a massive, uh, issue uh, ecologically, in the ocean, so they have lionfish hunters in Aruba who they have to go down um, with uh, spears and and actually spear the lionfish, hmm. and now it's become like a delicacy in Aruba to eat. But so I was watching the Aruba's uh, lionfish hunters, I believe they're called, and they're they were in this area. And I always believed the same thing. The megaliths must, a lot of them must be under the water. Yeah. And I was watching. I said, oh, my gosh, the guy is swimming amongst all. And it's a very dangerous area to swim. No one would do this unless you know exactly what you're doing. And it's all the same megaliths and the same construction. And these boulders have 90-degree angles. And as a matter of fact, when um, Natalie Holloway was missing, a skeleton was found by some divers in that same area. And when they called in the police and the archaeologists, it was determined to be an ancient skeleton of the giants. It was an elongated skull, actually. Oh, wow. So that was in that same area of these underwater megaliths. So I think that for sure, and I told the archaeologists this last time I um, got Two, two times I was there, that for sure there are megaliths under the water mm-hmm. and that that should be explored. Yeah. Because when you see the megalithic sites on the island, you can tell that the tsunami has toppled them. I don't know how what else could have unless some t- people physically toppled these mega, mega, mega boulders. I mean, these things are massive, as, as you can imagine, as we've seen globally. So... It looks particularly one place um, called IO rock formation, looks like there was a lot of destruction from the tsunamis. And Hmm. these were massive tsunamis that separated one island into three. So we can imagine the destruction. Mm -hmm.
1: For sure. Um, Let's step back a little bit to the burial practices of the giants. I've listened to a few of your lectures, and it's so intriguing the different ways that they buried their you know, their loved ones and that. So can you tell us a little bit about the difference between, you know, the different burial techniques that they had?
2: Yeah, sure. So they, um, the, the giants were the elite ruling class. There weren't a lot of them, but they were very powerful. And then at some point, clearly there were average statured people um, over whom they presided and There is a massive burial site called Malmuc Cemetery. It's one of the largest in the entire Caribbean. I believe at this point, 75 graves have been unearthed, but Mm -hmm. it's believed to be so many more um, in this site. The problem is it's such a a great antiquity, the skeletons and the sites, that once you try to lift out any of the skeletons, they just disintegrate into Mm -hmm. dust. So that's the biggest challenge with excavation. So what this um, one site was determined, which is massive, is that the giants were, they loved isosceles triangles. They had created giant isosceles triangles on the Earth, and they would mark things in the form of isosceles triangle. They um, I I believe they were following a constellation, triangularum, that you could see at certain points of the year. It's a southern hemisphere, Mm -hmm. a constellation that does peep up above the equator. Equator Aruba is hugging the equator. So it'll pop up during the summertime, and you can actually see triangularum. So I think there's a connection, but I'm not positive. Hmm. So what they did was they would bury the giants on the points of the isosceles, trying the angles, and then they would put average statured people along the lines. So you could determine right away who was in charge, and the burials were different. So the giant burials were always more ornate. They had grave gifts. Also, um, the giants, as they did have elongated skulls, their skulls were painted in an okra, that same okra. Not all the burials received the okra. Um, and this is a pattern that kept repeating. They also would put the, uh, the, bur- the humans in a, um, in a fetal position. either facing uh well usually facing northwest to southeast with their head on their hands as a matter of fact one of the skulls of the giants that was recovered by a researcher named chris angles still has the hand fused to the skull Oh wow! and that it was through the um uh, the research and um you know the studies of that hand to that one researcher who was the head of the Tropical Museum in Amsterdam was able to determine that they were giants because it was the largest hand she had ever seen up until that time. Hmm. So they were buried in these isosceles triangles and on top of the graves, usually only the elite graves you would find from a specific, a very specific quarry stones that were on to stood on top of the burial. So they were either in a circle pattern with certain types of shells in the center, or they were propped up like a triangle on top of the burials with these massive stone slabs, usually um, of diorite and it also in the case of the giants which is a, a global phenomenon mm-hmm. you will find little people buried with the giants oh and um research and the little people were treated just as well if not better um than the elite burials so it's very clear and uh, as a matter of fact a research study came out about a year ago determining that noticing this trend, and not only of little people, but also some people who had what we would consider birth defects, uh, maybe some type of growths on their backs, or um, or sometimes their legs were not even. And they, they were determined that the, the, the disabilities of any sort would not give disabilities at all, but some type of blessing. And the people who had these. Um, anomalies with their body physically were given uh, an elite status just mm. based off of how different they were from the rest. So, for example, there are two little people buried there, and they both had very you know grave gifts, all the things you would see with an elite burial. And the oldest bar- person in the burial in the in the um, most of the people were adults. There were some children, but usually like seventeen teenage. Um, Years, And then in the center was one lone burial. And this was the most elite burial. This was one who was, she was buried, a a giant turtle shell was put on top of her. A a base in the ground was put so she didn't even have, her body didn't even have to touch the ground. She was a female. She was determined to be in her forties. She had a a hump back, as a matter of fact. And it's believed that she was the head of the entire society. So this was, in my opinion, and from talking to elders and getting history from the archeologists, it was a matriarchal society. Mm. So she was definitely in control and she was given the most ornate uh, burial and she was all by herself in the total dead center of the cemetery. So that's one way they were buried. Another way they were buried is in caves. usually inaccessible caves. And in this case, for example, one site of an excavation I was able to see and find the corresponding um, uh, notes on and journal um, article in the research is the giant was placed in the center in a supine position. So meaning kind of how we bury people today Mm -hmm. on their back with Mm -hmm. straight legs, arms by the side and the average statured people were buried like uh, spokes in a wheel so around this giant burial in the center that's interesting and that was very interesting because the yeah. supine position it was considered a christian uh tradition that was brought to uh different populations of the planet and because a lot of ancient populations do did bury their dead in the fetal position. I guess, in my mind, it's a return to source, you know, return, yeah. like ready to be reborn again. And so this is a kind of intriguing because that type of burial is found in the burial mounds here in the United States of America. You will hear sometimes in some of the burial mounds, I believe even at Grave Creek Mound in West Virginia, that when they found burials, there was that one giant human in the center and then other burials coming out like spokes in a wheel which is actually kind of intriguing and um and interesting that those two types of burials would be found on the island now the ones in the cave in this the wheel type burial are older mm-hmm. than the Isosilis triangle burials um but a couple of could be a hundred years could be a thousand years Um, but that's kind of interesting, although both types of barrels are found on all three
0: islands. That's fascinating. Yeah. That is so interesting.
1: Do you think there's a correlation between the mounds? Um, well, I mean, obviously there is, but I mean, do you think there's a correlation between the mounds here in the States? Um, and over there being almost the same people, or do you think it's just the same style that they, they kind of. I don't want to say copied, but followed that same style?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, there are Mayan petroglyphs in Aruba, proto-Mayan, meaning that it's at least, you know, 2,000 years older than the modern Mayan, Mayan people. So this was the beginnings of the Mayan language. You can find those petroglyphs in Aruba and in Bonaire. As a matter of fact, a professor from the University of Florida, um, wrote about these petroglyphs and said these are Mayan. He was an expert in, in Mayan petroglyphs. His article was in the 1970 Miami Herald, and he uh, was so excited. He thought the world would be like, oh my gosh, look at this guy. And of course, we know what happened. They, he was ostracized. They threatened to take away his teaching post at the university. Um, they discredited him. And uh, eventually, he had to write a, a, an apology letter mm-hmm. in the Miami Herald saying he was sorry that he mentioned that he had seen Mayan petroglyphs. Oh and the my islands. goodness! It's so crazy. Um, so now, uh, recently, I was I just posted on in my group in my group Stones, Bones, and the Paranormal an old. I like to w- watch old shows about these sites uh, because at that time people liked from the 70s or even read old books because that's when people weren't so uh, concerned with covering things up as much as they are now in terms of the ancient history at least from my experience so in this show they were talking about how there was a connection between the the people of Chaco Canyon um, and the mound builders and the Mayan. And how they found some burials at Chaco that are identical to Mayan burials. Wow. So for me, I think the, the Maya are were the most one of the most prolific civilizations on the entire planet. And I have seen out in Arizona, I have seen Mayan uh, petroglyphs. I know in Georgia, the, uh, in the United States, there are petroglyphs. There is one in uh, Florida that is Mayan. So I think... It, there could be a chance that there was some sort of sharing of information and that there were practices and maybe they even made it uh, and, and created this um, hybrid race of mm-hmm. people who were continuing the same customs and beliefs of the Mayan people. So I think there could be a connection. They're, not, they're all not that very far away, and there are breakaway civilizations of the giants that have been found, and these are also documented in the scientific record. Yeah. Uh, one of the breakaway civilizations was found in the caves of Cuba and the same burials as the giants in Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, with the okra on the skulls, the same skull shape, the same size of the skeleton. And that was considered a breakaway civilization. The other breakaway civilization was in uh, Colombia, where they found this small cluster of giants living and burying their dead the same way as the giants of Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao did. So either they, the giants spread out and shared their knowledge or people mm-hmm. came in and shared with them. But I feel there's a connection between all of the ancient people, quite yeah.
1: frankly. And it would make sense that they would Interbreed in that with others because if they're traveling that far, it's not like they're just going to drive there, visit, drive and then drive back. Cars, yeah, right? I mean, this getting their they BMWs and go spend right? years there, you know, <laughs> exactly, or even you know, um, generations,
2: mm-hmm. right? Exactly, yeah. Well, and it wasn't so easy, exactly, to travel. So, no. I mean, you took your life in your hands. <laughs> it's, yeah, but I think you're. I think you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I. I just. I mean, when you look at the Olmec, I mean, the Olmec are a perfect example. I mean, they. Do, they don't even look Mesoamerican at all, and yet here they are: these giant, 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 massive skulls mm-hmm. um, that look like they come from a, a, an African descent. So, it, and even even Asian in some cases, and even a combination of both. So. Uh, it makes sense. I, I, I just uh, posted, I think today it was a study that came out today that said that the way that the humans uh, that humans evolved was by mating with other species of humans. Mm-hmm. And we know that's the truth. We know mm-hmm. that Divisabans made mated with Neanderthals, with Homo sapiens, ne- Neanderthals, made it with Homo sapiens. Some of us even have that DNA in our bodies and um, for example there was a mitochondrial DNA study done in 2003 of the Aruban people mm-hmm. specifically because they had much less of a melting pot of people than the other two islands just due to the fact that it's a desert island and it was determined that 70% of the genes of the modern Aruban people hold this pre uh, ceramic or pre this archaic DNA in their body wow. that is of the Giants so that would mean and what I believe to be the case is that the Giants eventually mated with average statured people <laughs> to continue their their race to continue it going because first of all I believe there was a lot of death from childbirth um, I believe I found a birthing cave Uh, And this cave has very similar markings as to those I've seen in Native American cultures in that um, on the wall, there are lines or there are dots. And that usually denotes births. And in this birthing cave is a petroglyph of a woman with a baby in her stomach. So I don't know how much more. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. the maternity
0: ward (laughs) exactly
2: and that cave there were three caves and they were all very sacred um, and probably only used by the elite and so the giants would go there to give birth which makes sense also if you were under threat if there was an opposing force that wanted to kill the babies and stop this this elite race of giants Mm -hmm. um, they could to be accessible would not have been a good idea so Mm -hmm. it makes sense I mean this cave it took me almost seven years to get into it because it is so high up on a a ridge, a limestone ridge, and the last time before i finally was able to get into it there was a it's about five foot tall uh killer beehive that was right oh there oh. so i heard the buzzing i said what i said to my friend who was leading me so what is that noise I, said, I don't know and i said oh my gosh it was getting louder and louder and it was the bees the bees were buzzing hmm. and it was so loud said, oh my oh. gosh. And after I had gone, then people started to go. The local Rubens wanted to go and see their heritage, which was great, mm-hmm. except they were all chased by these bees, so they couldn't <laughs> even go. And They never got to the cave. Most people have never gotten to the cave because of these bees, so they protect the site, which is quite interesting. I wonder if it's by design. I don't know. Yeah. It could be. nature's is taken <laughs> care of. It. Yeah. And you
1: wonder, you know, as un- or inaccessible these caves are, I think... I look back and I think, how did they get into them? You know, did they, how did they climb? Of course they are a little bigger than ours, but I mean, it's almost to the fact that they make ladders. Did they do, you know, mm-hmm. do stuff like that.
2: Right. I always wondered that too, because you know, they, the cave, these caves are so difficult. You can't even make, cut a path to it. I mean, you um, just have to kind of, essentially you have to, you know, rock climb your way mm-hmm. into the caves and there are caves Uh, More caves on another part of the island where there were also giant, um, there was giant habitation and no one can get into these caves. Um, You would have to put, you would have to set it up like you would, you know, use ropes and Mm pulleys. And then if you start doing that, then you're going to start to maybe destroy things and it's limestone so it's a little bit more difficult but i talked to someone i said you've got to get in those caves and take pictures for me he said i've been trying to get into those caves since i'm a kid everyone falls you can't get in these caves so Uh i don't know how they would get into these caves. i think about it all the time so it could be possible that they were created Ladders. Yeah. I mean, we see that in the cultures out west. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Anasazi yeah. dwellings—they had ladders. I just went to Alcove House last Easter and spent Easter terrorizing my daughter by making her <laughs> walk up up all the. <laughs> ladders and then I realized oh my god maybe this wasn't a good idea to go to this um, this sacred site that again was inaccessible probably only used by the shaman Mm -hmm. Um, and it was way at the high high, way at the top of a mesa high up that you have to go up to a series of very tall tall ladders to get to it and that was believed how they did it and also they made they would cut uh, roads with their own feet so, particularly in the stone there, if you go over it enough, you'll actually create a path. Mm-hmm. And that was part of it, too. So, I think that's po- very possible that they use ladders. I can't imagine if you were carrying something up there or mm-hmm. uh, or if you were pregnant. Yeah. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. If you're what nine months along, you you're, right. you know, like, exactly. you're not scaling so I, a wall, right?
2: <laughs> I wonder if they did have some type of pulley system. They, they, they It must have been intelligent people. They had larger brains than we do. Mm -hmm. So I would assume that they were of a different uh, intelligence and uh, a higher intelligence, I would hope.
1: Yeah, you never know. I mean, they're enabled to use tools and stuff like that. And the uh, elaborate burials and everything, I mean, they weren't just people that are working on instinct. They actually had to think about everything and You know, especially the, the burials are always so interesting to me because you'd almost think did the, um, when a hierarchy person die, I wonder if the people around them died at the same time, whether it's through sacrifice or self, you know, Mm. to be buried with that hierarchy person or... You know, they may the hierarchy person may have died. But they established that space, and then as the important people passed on, they would go to that space. So
2: I think that that is part of it. It is believed that the burials were in family groups of some sort. So if one family or one clan would get this portion of land, and that would be where all the of your people would be buried. And that that is one of the beliefs that, that the archaeologists think was going on with these sites um, with these burials because of the distinction of these isosceles triangles, it's not one, just one giant isosceles triangle. Mm-hmm. It's a, a series of isosceles triangles. And you can see where they kept adding on. You can see where the older burials are versus the more newer ones. And when mm-hmm. I say newer, I mean, like 5000 years ago. Yeah. Um, so there was this progression through time and that's a very good point that's very possible that they were family groups and but it's always curious to me you know when you see like the the mother and the child and then the monkey you know how yeah. that all mm-hmm. like there's so many questions and <laughs> every time you find out more and get more information then you have more questions yeah so it's, very sometimes frustrating. I wish I sometimes I yell at the stones. I'm like, I wish you could
1: talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell me. Have you ever um, used the services of maybe a psychic or a medium to try to get some of these answers in that location?
2: i know and that's a great point and it'd be something amazing to to do so Mm -hmm. i know that there are ghosts um in these areas Mm -hmm. the locals will talk about there's this one strip of road that goes right beneath the caves um, another set of caves the ones that no one can get into it's called frenchman's pass and that night if it's 12 o'clock midnight people will avoid driving on that road altogether and i have had police uh, people in the police force, people in the military in Aruba. I mean, tell me with a straight face that they were driving in their car down that road at night uh, after midnight or later, and they would look in their rearview mirror, and there was a person like sitting there, like oh. a dead body, like sitting there in <laughs> oh the back of gosh. the car. And then they almost crashed their car because they're looking at this this person in their rear view mirror that's there, there and then disappears by the – caves um, that I mentioned where the birthing um, chamber is, there they can hear uh, wailing at night. A lot of them hear wailing, screams, mm-hmm. um, so, and and just voices, muddled voices. You could hear that people are speaking, but you can't make out what they're saying. So I believe there's definitely some sort of um, ghostly, combination with this uh, definitely a haunting situation Mm -hmm. that could go on and and I know for a fact that with Frenchman's past I mean to this day people are still hearing things and it's it's something's passed on to the children too to not go in this area um, Mm -hmm. after a certain time because of the ghosts that is
0: so cool um have you ever thought or maybe when you go um the next time you go take a drone and try to fly with a camera and try to fly it up in there
2: yes um yeah that's a great point i don't know you know the the openings are so small mm. i don't know if anyone is that savvy at yeah their <laughs> drones and, and has the guts you know, yeah Get it stuck um, up there and yeah i mean then how do you get it you know the drones up there you're not up there but i have had people send me drone footage of megalithic sites that they have found on the Mm -hmm. island as a matter of fact that's what what, um, i found out about probably one of the most impressive megalithic sites on the island of aruba was from a local again who was building a house in the area and sent up a drone and took footage he noticed it right away something was strange about this this um megalithic site the stone site and sure enough when i went there and oh my gosh it was just balanced stones and and stones stacked in a certain way where that would align with the solstice and Uh align with the the lunar standstill and and the um equinox and and all and even planets and uh, when I went back this year to take more measurements, the site had kind of been destroyed. It was built over, which was so oh, sad. Oh no! Uh,
0: it was,
2: I was so excited. I woke up early in the morning before the sunrise. And I know because I went at sunrise and sunset during the solstice. And I was so excited, how all my equipment, and then I saw this. I mean, I just was so devastated. So I'm thankful to the person who took the drone footage because yeah. it's really the only thing we have left of that site at this point. You can't see the rest of the alignments. I caught a couple of the alignments, and they were astounding. And that's what makes it so upsetting that none of the other alignments can be measured now.
0: No. Now, when people in Aruba find these uh, megaliths, is there any kind of protection um, for people not to build on the land? Or is it like they buy the land and it's their land and they can do what they want with it? Because you would think well,
2: that-, that in that particular case, that's exactly correct. They can do what they they built over it. It was, you know, land that they just bought and then just bulldozed most of it down and build these built these new houses. The two other megalithic sites are Kasabari Cafe, uh, Kasabari Cafe, that's the rest <laughs> of it, Kasabari <laughs> Formation and uh, Rock Formation. Now those two sites you can't build on and they are protected and thank goodness. Now the others, such as the caves, are so inaccessible and no tourist or even a local. I mean, if you mention some a place to a local, they'll look at you like, what the heck? I, I never even knew this was here. Um, <laughs> So I don't even, you know, I'll say I was in a cave, but I never ever specify where or mm-hmm. what part of the island. So the Io Rock Formation and Casabari, those two are um, are are protected, and they are considered uh, uh, tourist attractions, and mm-hmm. tours will take tourists there as well. And you know, so, although um there's still people writing with graffiti with spray paint on mm. the stone. i noticed it the last time i was there and Awful. and it's sad and i don't i i know there's an appreciation for these sites i don't know if there's an, enough of a knowledge of how important these sites are but i know the prime minister of Aruba, she follows my work so i do know that Government officials are seeing my work, and um, I'm hopeful I'm making some form of an impact in terms of conservation of these sites.
1: Now, what do you think the correlation between the balance rocks and the giants are?
2: That's a great question, because, again, <laughs> balanced rocks are everywhere. Dear. Yeah. So it's so intriguing. I have one right by my home in, in North Salem, New York, um, and it's on these three little stones of quartzite just balanced perfectly. In Aruba, there are tons of balanced stones and I just started noticing them through my research. And since I've been posting about them, the locals have been sending me more and more information about balanced stones that they've come across. And so I began to a mapping project that I started a couple of years ago. And it's interesting to see it grow because you first you have three stones and then you have four and then you have five. And now we're up to I believe sixteen. Wow. And it's forming a pattern. So it was finally at thirteen I saw the pattern, but now I see it for sure with this the other newest ones. And these stones were placed strategically. So they were either pointing to a burial okay. or pointing to a petroglyph site or pointing to another megalithic site so uh these bow these bones, these stones were um going northwest to southeast and they run diagonally across the entire island. They also follow the patterns of petroglyphs. The petroglyphs are found in the same clusters, forming straight lines, cutting parallel through the islands, northwest to southeast, always. So I personally, I think it could be either denoting where the next site is, it could be markers, it could be something more because there is a piezoelectric effect, Uh, that occurs when the stones are on top of each other, especially those stones with crystalline structure, and these stones are all diorite. So there is an electrical energy, a current, that is created by the heaviness of these two stones on top of one another. So there could have been some sort of... um, way that they were utilizing the energy either to uh, Transport themselves maybe um, In some research has been done particularly here in upstate New York that there were seeds put by these stones and then the the yield of the crop and the size of the crop in terms of actual physical size was would much bigger than if not within this energy field Mm so i I know that they went to a tremendous amount of work to position these stones because Mm -hmm. it wasn't just placing the stone on top of the other stones and these are two separate stones they're not some in some cases one's diorite one's limestone so people like say, oh it's erosion and this is an erosion and so we're going through all that immense trouble to get these stones on top of one another and then positioning them to point in a certain direction there had to be, I think, an even greater importance aside from delineation or particularly because it's following these parallel lines. So it could be fault lines that they were following um, is another idea. And, and then that, and it's because the, the, a lot of the balance stones on planet Earth are a, along or near fault lines and fault lines do create energy as mm-hmm. well. So that could have been two. I know one of the bound stones does mark the equinox. And the rising sun of the equinox, um, of the vernal equinox, lights up the face underneath the stone. Mm-hmm. Um, where the stone is positioned so it will the first sun rays will light up uh, right underneath the stone in this open area uh, which is kind of interesting and consistent with what we've seen here in uh, in other stones that we've seen them align particularly with the equinox which is quite interesting so I'm not quite sure yet but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping will talk to me someday, yeah. you know, because it's so intriguing and they, I usually, if I want to find another site or if I'm having trouble finding a site, I can see the bound stone and where it's pointing mm-hmm. and then you will you go in that direction eventually
0: you'll find it. Do you use any um, equipment when you do that? Are you using like dowsing rods or maybe a digital recorder or any type of uh, measurement tools?
2: Um, No, actually, I use Google Earth Uh because that you can get really good uh, measurements Mm -hmm. for. And I use some apps also to determine the sky in coordination with the celestial events that in coordination with what's going on on Earth. and I use an app for the petroglyphs that is used by archaeologists. It brings out the colors in the stones gotcha. in the drawings. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I had I did one time was go I brought a ghost box, but I was too scared to use it. <laughs> oh. I, didn't, I didn't I was don't too be nervous. Afraid. I didn't know what would come through and I thought, yeah. Oh, you know, I don't want to tempt spade and I'm on vacation really. <laughs> um, I haven't used it, but I know that at Io Rock Formation, um, I had a friend tell me that he heard inhuman sounds <sighs> coming from this site at night. And uh, he was he was the first person to tell me, but not the last. Okay. So I, I'm sure if I could re- put a recorder and keep it out there, we would hear very strange things.
1: Yeah. yeah, and these, you know, we talk about the Balance Rocks. These are big rocks. It's not just... You little see on the beach, locks. yeah. No, yeah. I've seen the you next to some of these, and they are huge.
0: Giant, right? Oh. Yeah, the one
2: in North Salem, New York, is sixty tons. Yeah, I mean they're they're massive, massive stones. And um, the one I saw right before, as a matter of fact, I filmed a television program that's going to be shown in Aruba. And part of the program was going out to see this balanced stone that was on private property that I had been looking for for years. And the family invited me to hike the site with them. And we saw this stone. This has gotta be, this stone is at least 100 tons. I mean, it's massive. And at one point, you can tell it's not attached to the bottom stone. And you can tell. And the, 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 the gentleman said to me, Doesn't it, don't you think the stone rocks? And wow. I said, I think at one time the stone might have rocked. He said, I keep pushing it to see. And that's oh. another characteristic of some balanced stones. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, in New Jersey, there's one. I think in Pennsylvania, they're, mm-hmm. they're rocking stones. So some of them still do rock. So that's another feat of astronomical proportion to be able to Mm -hmm. pull off with these stones.
1: And not fall off.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, crushed. crushed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you think uh, it, it, it maybe possibly could be markers for water sources? So you said it was kind of a desert island. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, what, is there access to fresh water throughout the islands?
2: Right. That's a great question. Actually, Vespucci made note of this, too. So the Giants, because it's so warm there, they would drink brackish water. Oh, okay. So okay. there were, um, they're called rui's, and these areas of brackish water that still exist today, some are dried up, but some mm. existed. Now that I would fine to be true but even along the old areas of these um uh places where you could find the brackish water there aren't balanced stones so they're not always in areas where there is water or was water so i because that was the first thing i thought of too it's maybe it's a water source i mean Uh sometimes you know people say the nazca lines were for water of course that's crazy, but I'm sure some of them did denote um, where water was, mm-hmm. because water was very important in the ancient world as it is today. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know, because the way that it is, they're positioned, it's usually in stony areas. So okay. it's not even an area where you would habitate. You would be in the surrounding areas, but you wouldn't be there. So um, I kind of ruled that out, but you never know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true.
1: Now, let's talk about the giants themselves. I know that um, we mentioned about the different shapes of the skulls. Now, some of them have the big jaws that almost look like they're from the African tribes. And um, like here in Toledo, there are actually ones found with double rows of teeth. And they also found the skull, or found the uh, skeletons with the six fingers and six toes. So there's different styles, if you want to call it that, of of giants. And I noticed that you mentioned about the elongated skulls of the giants of Aruba. Um, can we go over that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. So. Um that there was no evidence of double rows of teeth or six fingers and six toes in the giants. Okay. However, they did have elongated skulls. Their skulls were um, determined by archaeologists to be genetic and not through uh, headboarding, which oh, headboarding okay. is actually even still done in some cultures today. And in my belief, it is because they are emulating The ancient people who actually had elongated skulls Um, and the other way that the archaeologists were able to tell aside from not seeing any evidence physically of headboarding, such as the headboards themselves, they found that the the when you have an elongated skull with the brain case now, so two types of, uh, cranial deformation, as they call it, or elongation, as I call it, it's the skulls, like the paracas and paracas Peru. I'm not sure if you're aware, Brian Forrester is very busy with the elongated skulls there. They go straight up. Okay. Um, the elongated skulls in Aruba go up and then back. So a large portion, of the weight is in the back of the skull where the skull goes back kind of um, like Akhenaten Tutankhamun yeah. they had elongated okay. skulls mm-hmm. of that yeah. way and so in order to compensate for that weight in the back of the head where the neck connects to the skull has to be further back and in a lar- and take up a larger space to keep the head stable also the ears were in a different place they had to be positioned differently above the jaw because the jaws were so big and their teeth were so big and as a matter of fact many of the giant skeletons the skulls are found with full teeth um, almost worn to the bone which is quite interesting and um, also there have been babies that have been found um, with elongated skulls and that is further proof that there was not um, artificial deformation because in order for an infant skull to go into the shape of elongation it has to be headboarded for at least six months so any baby skeleton uh, younger than six months that has to be natural elongation so that was one differentiation the other one is their bones themselves the archaeologists talked about one of the early archaeologists in the 1970s about how they wanted to cut open one of the bones of the skeletons with a saw and they used a cadaver saw and the cadaver of a modern human that saw would not go through the bones of the giants they were so thick the bones and so hard that they had to actually invent a tool to get through the bones of the giants so that was another difference and then one of the archaeologists determined that the He felt that the giants, based off of his research, had light hair and light eyes. So they were not of the Native American Mm -hmm. population. Yeah, not the redheaded ones. Of, like, Caucasian, uh, uh, maybe from, like, European. Mm -hmm. He actually, this archaeologist told me he thought they were Egyptian, which was quite interesting. Hmm. So that was the main difference, as well as, of course, their size. Yeah. So their average stature was probably about eight feet. Um, and then they could go upwards of about 10 to 12 feet. Wow.
0: Do you think that there's any possibility anywhere on the planet there may be some sort of sub-small sect of these, this race still around? Maybe like an... Amazon or some place undiscovered.
2: Yeah, I I would, I would love that. I'm not sure. That would be great. And I hope they never contact anyone and live in quiet. Right. (laughs) uh, That'll be destroyed for them. But, I know for sure, through speaking with the local populations of all three islands that they did have people, not every family, but they talked about, I had a giant in my family. One woman told me her name is Maddie. She told me she had an uncle who was a giant and she said his jaw was so big and his hands were so big. And they met, ma- they trained him to be a boxer. Oh, and wow. he ended up boxing down in South America and he killed someone in the ring oh. just because he was so massive and so strong wow. and that ended his boxing career and um and she said he died in his 40s and i met someone this past trip to Aruba who also told me that they had a giant relative in their family oh. it's so it's very possible that it's only recently
0: mm-hmm.
2: um within the past maybe 50 years that the giants had completely you know their 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 fingerprint on the modern population has completely died out right now i mean you will see a rubens who are tall I and mean, they mm-hmm. not exactly smaller people um you no, know, my ex-husband is a Reuben, and mm-hmm. he was over six feet tall. So, which is, you know, not believe it or not, not even an average height. I don't think of men so much anymore. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of Reubens are men, especially are pretty tall. Even the women are still tall to this day, but obviously not of the giant stature. Mm-hmm. Sure. They don't have elongated. So. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I haven't. I don't. I do know that, and I and I will include them in the book about how these uh, the local population does say that they had giants in their families. Wow, yeah.
0: that's incredible. I just think that's amazing. <laughs> and one thing, uh, you know, you said, uh, it, it's just correlating to what we found here in Ohio. You said that, um, you know, one of the island was salt. Is their main. Um, uh, you know, source of of commodity. And, right. and the area that we're in is a, a complete salt mines from Detroit all the way down through Cleveland underneath the limestone are salt mines, mm-hmm. which I think wow. is a very interesting correlation. Yes, yeah, yeah, very interesting.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: I always wonder what they find down there.
0: Oh, yeah. Know?
1: Because it had to I been wouldn't... a cave originally. Right. for them to start you know and yeah i guess you can get tours and that through the yeah. salt mines and-
0: yeah yeah for nah, sure and they're massive they cool. like you know they park like um equipment buses mm-hmm. and things in there in the winter time because it's temperature yeah. controlled so who knows and and what does salt preserve too you know like that would be very Mm -hmm. interesting
2: (laughs) yeah that's very interesting that correlation yeah that uh and and gold too you know Mm -hmm. i know that gold was very important you know there's still gold in the island of aruba to this day it was not all taken and stolen and used by everyone else but the poor aruban people but there is still gold and and that's why i think uh, the, the, at first, the islands were called the Islands of the Giants. And then when the um, the explorers came back to take the islands for Spain, they called the islands the Useless Islands. Yeah. And yeah. I always thought that they did that on purpose. And after talking to other historians, this was a common thing so that no one would come and mm-hmm. steal the treasure of right. the island mm-hmm. and threw people <laughs> off. So um, so gold and, and um, you know oil is also found in the islands, okay. natural gas, which they wouldn't have had access to. Yeah. But um, and then the salt. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah,
0: that is. Yeah. Be interesting to see if correlate where giant skeletons were found. You know, what what is salt a common denominator?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. wonder if they used it for anything.
0: Yeah. And I think most point. cultures, you know, mm-hmm. use salt for right. preserving food. Yeah, you know, trade. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and especially because Aruba was, a, you know, has a lot of seafood. Mm-hmm. Then the giants ate a lot of seafood. It would be a great way to preserve uh, sure. the fish and mm-hmm. other seafood that they ate.
0: We're just opening up more rabbit holes for you, Heather, to uh, yeah, dig into. That's, that's,
2: that's good. Now I'm thinking of doing that research. Yeah. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Sorry. I just booked your next six months, right? <laughs> that's no, it's great. That's a great point.
2: Yeah.
1: Have you ever had anybody call you up and say, um, I found a skeleton in my basement. Do you Could you come over and check it out and see what it is? <laughs>
2: Oh, I wish I know, right? Yes, <laughs> not yet. No, but I know that there was someone in Aruba who had bones, I Had said like fragment bone fragments. Mm-hmm. Um, and he showed them to me, but I couldn't tell if they were archaic or they were just small fragments, it mm-hmm. wasn't enough, you couldn't even actually do probably study them yeah. scientifically. Um I did see a giant skeleton in the Bonaire Archaeology Museum that is still there. And I have photos of it um, actually in my presentation that's on YouTube right now. And it is a giant skeleton that they've crumpled up in a little ball and stuck into a glass case. (sighs) It's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. But the skull and the eyes are massive. The eye sockets are so big. And the little um, sign next to it says that it is a giant skeleton.
1: Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing that they actually emit it.
2: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they actually, that was the second time now the first time is in 1980s in the um reading eagle which is a a newspaper in pennsylvania that's still in print Mm -hmm. and um it was a story that was put in the paper by a a journalist who was a travel contributor for the paper and this person went down to curacao to the curacao museum which is still there today And within the Curacao Museum were two giant skulls. The owner and builder of the Curacao Museum actually built the museum to house the skulls because when he discovered the skulls, no one would come to look at the skulls in terms of scientists. So they just, I guess they figured out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And so he created this museum and put these skulls in the museum and they're both large and one of them has the large hand fused to its face and in the uh, Reading Eagle, in this article, they say, it, and, and I show in my presentation the clip of the article, it says and in the basement are two skulls from when there were giants who lived on the islands, believed to be over eight feet tall. So those two skulls, first I found the research uh, book that it was in, which took me years. I had to find it in an antique bookshop in Holland. That's where wow. I finally found oh this one copy. I've never been able, so it's basically been wiped off the face of the earth. As a matter of fact, it's so precious to me, I keep it in a safe. I don't even have it mm-hmm. a- access. And so I began to search for these skulls because they are originally from Aruba. So I was working with the head of the archeology span museum in Aruba and the head of the archeology span museum in Curacao, and trying to get them repatriated to Aruba. Well, it turns out when I spoke to the museum in Curaçao, they told me that the uh, Dutch government had these islands are controlled by the kingdom of the Netherlands, not controlled, by, but uh, they are part of the kingdom of the Netherlands. Okay. And they came to the Curaçao Museum and renovated the museum and took the skulls with them. So we don't know to this day where these skulls are, which is just another, that, <laughs> another thing, you know. That drives me nuts. I'm sorry?
1: Oh, I said it that drives me nuts.
2: <laughs> I know. It's always like that. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> Frustrating. Yeah. yeah. for sure. You know, it's like...
1: Uh... It's history that people want to find out about. And it's like every time they try to find out about it, they end up hitting roadblocks like this mm-hmm. because they keep either putting them in drawers and basements or...
0: Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know... It it, it di- they didn't believe dinosaurs existed, yeah. right? Until what, about five hundred right. years mm-hmm. ago they started discovering these things. So Right. You know, like we can't be dismissive of like the evidence that is clearly there and people have seen and witnessed. Mm-hmm. You can't just exactly. store it away in a basement somewhere yeah. in another the, the Netherlands. <laughs> <ones. laughs>
2: I feel it's immoral, quite frankly, yeah. to do that. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's part of our entire human story. And, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, we have to know about it, even if it doesn't fit some sort of narrative. Mm-hmm.
1: Or, yeah. Know, it's, um, it, I mean, there's no reason why there shouldn't or couldn't be giants, because, like you said, the, the history shows that the people of Aruba knew people and had people in their families that were larger people. And, I mean, you think about all the different cultures and all the different types of people that are out there. You know, I mean, you look at nowadays, you see the, I would consider the wrestlers and the basketball players and stuff like that, Giants. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, there was, obviously in wrestling, you had Andre the Giant. Right. You know? Yeah. And just because he was one of the few, I mean, but in the wrestling field, there are people just as big as him
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that go by different names and all that. And it just, it could have been a huge community of giants back then. And it was normal. Like you said, when you found the burials, there were burials with people that were large, tiny people, um, people of all different stature, people of all different, um, uh, not deformities, but, you know, different shaped bodies and that. Mm -hmm. And they all live together and it seemed like they lived happy together, you know? Right. So there could, yeah, I don't see why they want to hide everything away.
2: Well, the only thing I could come up with, and I was doing an interview last week and I, I, it was something I've been thinking about for years is perhaps, you know, when I post something um, online, I'm almost instantly attacked by atheists yeah which is quite interesting wow. and um, and I don't mention anything I'm just going off the archaeological record mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything about it making connections between for example Genesis and the Bible I don't you know I don't make any of those connections I'm just telling you what I'm finding in my research about the island. But I am attacked systematically, you know, I mean, by these unreported, I mean, just they go, their heads explode. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, all I could think of is that, because it can't be evolution, because Darwinism, we've already gone through, them. I mean, some things evolved, some things didn't. Darwin wasn't right, a lot of his theories weren't his. So, I'm always thinking maybe they believe they, whoever's cloistering these bones and hiding the story is that, that by saying that there were giants, they will give validity to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think of um, because I can't think of any other reason why you yeah. would want to keep this amazingly cool information from the human race. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. But, But Heather, this has been awesome. I'm so happy that you came on with us. And I'm sorry we can't go... Three hours. We could. We but. could. <laughs>
0: yeah, I could. <laughs> but
1: we'll definitely have you back on a lot sooner than than uh, last time.
0: Yeah, how long ago was that? It was like
1: um, a year and a half, maybe two years. Two
0: years. Yeah.
2: yeah, two yeah. years, I think,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> the time just flies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love
2: being on your show, and Thank I really you. appreciate you guys. are so knowledgeable, and I really appreciate it.
1: Next time we have you on, it's going to be – live at a convention where we're all together
0: yes absolutely. that would be so <laughs> awesome i would love that yeah. I would welcome it. now if anybody wanted to check out your youtube videos or your site could you direct our listeners to where they should go
2: yes yeah, so right now my my uh presentation i did at the nephilim anthropology conference mm-hmm. that um that is up on youtube in ancient secret discoveries and uh that right now it's all, It's almost closing in on 200,000 views. So I'm really happy. That's awesome. Uh, it's, It's only 20 minutes. There are four presentations. There were many presentations that day the uh, the producers of this YouTube channel picked four presentations and mine is one of the four. So it's only 20 minutes of my usual hour, hour and a half presentation, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting. It's called the Islands of the Giants. And then they can always look on my Facebook page. I'm still working on my website. So my Facebook page right now um, is the best way. So I'm really trying to get off of there and get onto my own thing because you never know what's happening with Facebook. Right. So um, I'm at um, I have a Facebook page The Islands of the Giants And a Facebook page Heather L. Arnold And my group is Stones, Bones, and the Paranormal On Facebook I'm also on Instagram and Twitter Heather L. Arnold
1: Alright We'll link everything up In the show notes too yep. for sure, right. So people can just click on it And check out your stuff
0: Yeah, absolutely Watch that presentation yeah. well, We're going to get it To half a million views <laughs> Yeah, thank you Great
1: But, yeah, like I said, thank you so much. I really enjoyed hearing from you. And every time I get the chance to see your videos or talk to you, I always learn so much.
2: For sure. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate, again, for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you. All right. Thank you.
0: All right. You're everybody. welcome. Thank you. So, everybody, make sure you check out Heather and, mm-hmm. of course, check out www.222paranormal.com. And, um, you know, leave us if you had maybe seen something or you have some um, stories of giant skeletons, leave it on our Facebook page and we'll pass it along to Heather.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, like we always say, please go to our website. We do have t shirts for sale up there keeps the show going keeps us pay for bandwidth and everything and uh, let's leave in honor of Heather and the Petriks and everything the song by 60 Second Crush writing on the wall goodbye everyone